Kane Review Print Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Q in Review, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at qnreview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 That's 0141 772 The Glasgow Times on Thursday, the 1st of February, 2024. From the news section. Chief Executive of Glasgow City Council to step down. This is an exclusive article written by Stuart Patterson and read by me, Corey. The Chief Executive of Glasgow City Council is to leave her job this year. Anne-Marie O'Donnell, the council's top official, has announced she will step down in May after almost 10 years in the post and a 30-year career in local government in the city. Miss O'Donnell has been in the top job of the city chambers since 2014, overseeing a change in administration from Labour to the SNP, was in charge throughout the COVID pandemic and during the equal pay court cases and the ultimate settlements totalling hundreds of millions of pounds. She will stay on in the role until a new chief executive is appointed, with recruitment starting immediately. Miss O'Donnell said she now wants to have room in her life for other things. She said, I've been privileged to have had... I've been privileged to have had the opportunity to serve our city for longer than I could have ever imagined when I joined the District Council more than 30 years ago and fortunate to share nearly my whole working life with people that have been so dedicated to Glasgow and its people. But I was still in my 40s when I was appointed Chief Executive and since then nearly a decade has passed in the blink of an eye. It's not a job that really allows you time or capacity to do, or even think about much else. And when I look forward to the next 10 years, I want to be able to start making room in my life for other things. She said her successor will have a big task ahead with the council's budget expected to continue to face shortfall and demand for services increasing. She added, Everybody knows that local government has faced extraordinary challenges in recent years, and I think it would be a mistake for any of us to imagine that isn't going to continue. However, every day I work with colleagues who are innovative and resilient, totally committed to this city and formidable leaders in their own right. Whoever follows me will be ready to meet those challenges with a great team alongside them. Susan Aitken, leader of the council, praised Miss O'Donnell's role in dealing with major problems throughout her time. She said, It's difficult to overstate Anne-Marie's contribution to Glasgow during her long career at the council, and particularly as chief executive. 
Her calm demeanour belies a real passion for the city and determination to make things better, especially for our residents and communities who face the biggest challenge. In a big city, there's not a day that goes by without some new issue being thrown up, often very daunting once. Anne-Marie's professionalism, her focus on problem-solving and partnership building, her trust in her team to deliver, her willingness to face tough decisions head-on, and her compassion for those who will be affected by those decisions, have helped to see Glasgow through everything from major fires to a global pandemic. Miss O'Donnell began working with Glasgow City Council in 1990 as a solicitor focusing on construction, housing and planning. In 1996, after the creation of Glasgow City Council and local government reorganisation, she was promoted to Chief Solicitor. In 2003, she was appointed Assistant Head of Legal and Administrative Services and later spent two years on secondment as Deputy Director of Social Work Services. She returned to Corporate Services in 2007 serving as Assistant Director and later Director, before succeeding George Black as Chief Executive at the end of 2014. She was awarded the OBE for Services to Local Government in 2022. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was from the News section. It was an exclusive article written by Stuart Patterson, and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 1st of February 2024 From the news section Glasgow dentist retires after 26 years and sells practice An article written by Marissa McRitter and read by me, Corey A long-standing dental business has changed hands for the first time since 1998 after the current owner decided to retire. Jason Fisher owned Annie's Land Cross Dentist for 26 years before making the hard decision to enter retirement. Established over 70 years ago, Annie's Land Cross Dental is a mixed-income dental practice, with one fully equipped surgery and around 3,300 registered patients. Following a confidential sales process with Joel Mannix, and Christian Co. it has been purchased by Alexander Jeff Cote for an undisclosed price. Jason said, I was a single-hand practitioner for 26 years and decided that it was time to take things easier. Joel found me the perfect buyer, who has already been a huge hit with patients and the staff. He already has ambitious plans for the practice, and I'm certain he will make a huge success of it. Alexander bought his first dental practice, Dalmuir Dental Care, now Vanguard Dental Dalmuir, in September of 2022, and has enjoyed the challenge of running the business alongside working as a dentist. He plans to increase the capacity of the Anisland dentist to treat more NHS patients. He said... I decided to buy Annie's Land Cross Dental as it presented a great opportunity to acquire a busy dental practice in a great location. 
The practice is long-standing and has a good reputation locally with many of the patients. The practice currently has one surgery. However, there is space to increase the number of surgeries within the existing building footprint. I plan to renovate the practice to create a clean and modern clinical practice and provide a comfortable and relaxing environment for our patients. The increased surgery numbers and renovation will allow the practice to register more NHS patients and continue to deliver the highest standard of care. Joel Mannix, Associate Director, Dental at Christie & Co. comments, Following 26 years of successful ownership, it was a hard decision for Jason to bring Annie'sland Cross Dental to the market. However, through a meticulous, confidential sales process, we identified the perfect buyer in Alexander, and I'm sure that he will take the practice to further success and continue the good reputation that Jason has established over the decades. That article is from the Glasgow Times. It's from the news section. It was written by Marissa McRitter, and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 1st of February 2024. From the news section. Glasgow Vets in Scotston earn top award. An article written by Sandhya Suresh and read by me, Corey. A Scotston Vet Centre has been awarded a bronze honour for its cat care quality by the International Society for Feline Medication, ISFM. McDonald's Vets provides care to feline patients through several specialist measures. Julie Boosie, a registered veterinary nurse, said, I am thrilled that McDonald's Vets has achieved bronze status from the ISFM, which is an endorsement of our commitment to our feline patients. Our team is dedicated to ensuring our cat patients have a positive experience from the moment they enter the practice to the moment they leave. Steps to improve care include a thorough understanding of pet remedies, recognising feline anxiety limits, provision of gabapentin before specific treatments, and creating a feline-only time once a week. The practice also provides towels in the waiting area for owners to cover their cat's baskets. McDonald's Vets is owned by Linnaeus, which is part of Pets and Vets. Pets and Vets operates seven practices in the Glasgow area and for their information can be found at www.petsnvets.org. That's P-E-T-S-N-V-E-T-S dot org. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was from the news section. It was written by Sandaya Suresh, and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 1st of February 2024. From the news section. Hall of guns and cocaine discovered by cops in home. An article written by Rebecca Newlands and read by me, Corey. Cops have discovered a haul of guns and cocaine worth £147,000 after raiding a home. 
Officers searched the property in Knightswood Terrace in Blantyre on Tuesday. During the search, they are alleged to have found cocaine as well as cannabis items, with their value still to be confirmed. Multiple firearms were also reportedly seized and removed for their testing and to be made safe. The forces arrested a 28-year-old man in connection with the alleged recovery. He is expected to appear at Hamilton Sheriff Court on Thursday, February 1st. Deputy Chief Inspector Stephen Elliott said, This is a significant recovery and is an example of our efforts to disrupt the trade in illegal drugs in Scotland. It also underlines our commitment to the Serious Organised Crime Task Force and the country's Serious Organised Crime Strategy. We would continue to urge anyone with information or concerns about firearms activity in the area to contact Police Scotland on 101 or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800-555-111. That phone number again for Crime Stoppers to report anonymously is 0800 Five 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 one one one. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was from the news section. It was written by Rebecca Newlands, and it was read by me, Corrie. The Glasgow Times on Thursday, the first of February, twenty twenty four. From the news section. Man has car stolen after taking hard punch to the face. An article written by Marissa McRitter and read by me, Corey. A man watched a thug drive off in his car after taking a fist to the face in a shocking attack. The man, 30, drove to Burns Road, Cumbernauld, in his silver Volkswagen Golf between 10pm and 10.15pm on Monday. As he got out of his car and made his way towards a property, he was jumped from behind and punched in the face. The force of the blow knocked him to the ground. As he got to his feet, the man watched the thug driving off in his motor. Fortunately, the man did not need hospital treatment following the robbery. A description of the thief has not been disclosed. A probe has been launched into the attack and detectives are asking anyone with information to step forward. Detective Constable David Williamson said, Inquiries are at an early stage to establish the full circumstances surrounding what happened, and we are appealing to any potential witnesses to come forward. In particular, we would like to hear from anyone with private CCTV or dashcam footage from the Burns Road area of Kildrum around the time the robbery took place. Anyone with information is asked to contact Police Scotland on 101, quoting incident number 0895. That number again is 0895 on Tuesday, January 31st, 2024. Alternatively, you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800. 555111. That phone number again for Crime Stoppers is 0800 
That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was from the News section. It was written by Marissa McRitter. And it was read by me, Corey. Cop speaks out after man found guilty of rape in city. This article is unattributed. A top cop has spoken out after a man has been found guilty of the rape of a woman in Glasgow. Officer C. Barzan Noshawani was convicted at the city's High Court yesterday following a two-week trial. On Sunday, August 7th, 2022, the 40-year-old pretended to be a taxi driver and picked up a woman and her friend at his car from the city centre after a night out. After dropping off the friend, he then drove to the woman to the premises in the East End where he seriously sexually assaulted her. Following the trial, Detective Chief Inspector Ian Nelson said, Barzan Noshawani took advantage of a woman who, believing him to be a bona fide taxi driver, trusted him to make sure she got home safely. He totally abused that trust and what he did was deplorable. I would like to praise the woman for coming forward to police. Her courage and testimony are what had him convicted today. And also importantly, it made sure he is no longer a risk to other women at this time. He will be sentenced in due course. And the article was unattributed. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, from the news section, Delight is plug pulled on battery plant plan. Community declares victory as firm abandons move to open facility next to a riding school. Exclusive by Amanda Keenan. Campaigners have secured a landmark victory after an energy firm pulled the plug on its plans to build a lithium battery storage facility next to a popular riding school. Renewable firm Apitura has backed out of a proposal to house dozens of 12 metre long metal shipping style containers on a 62,000 square metre site at Turnhead Farm in Newark Hill, North Lanarkshire. Angry locals claimed the development, which would have been the size of a football pitch, was unsuitable for the picturesque beauty spot, with one company owner saying the development would put her out of business. Taylor Boak, who runs a family-owned Meehaven Pony Club, feared she would have to relocate her business elsewhere if the plan went ahead, and yesterday told how she's overjoyed by the company's change of heart. She told the Glasgow Times, I'm delighted that the company agree with the fact that it is not the right location for any type of battery storage plant. Myself and other protesters have been in constant communication with representatives from the firm since the plan came to light last year. I'm overjoyed that they have taken on board our concerns during their site assessments. It's the proper and right thing to do and I'm grateful that they have listened to us. So much work would need to be carried out just to level the land before anything could have been built there. It would have been a massive operation right next to a pony club that is attended by hundreds of children. I just could never really see how it ever made any sense. Taylor said the firm's U-turn has lifted a weight from her shoulders. She added, Now, thankfully, I no longer have the stress or worry about having to move the business, which is obviously a massive relief. It's also about protecting the green space here, which is loved and well used by our people in our community. I'm glad our campaign has won through. It just goes to show the impact of people power. The 23-year-old had told the Glasgow Times that construction works around the plant could also create road safety concerns for parents with children at nearby Newark Hill Primary School. She added, 
The only way to get to the riding school or what was the proposed site is by going along a small access road that would never have been suitable for HGVs. There was a real concern that massive lorries would be rumbling through areas that were always busy with children. It was never really the right location in the first place. The small access road is also not designed for any sort of major incident response. It is my understanding too that the land is zoned for agriculture and farming so it was unsuitable in every way for something like this. Taylor praised the firm for listening to the community's concerns. She added, To be fair, during assessments of the site, representatives from the firm really took time to engage with the people in the community. We feel our voices have been heard and our stance justified. Although the plans were only at an early stage, it was still causing a lot of concerns and worry for locals. Now we can get back to business. A spokesperson from Apertura told the Glasgow Times that they would now be actively looking for a more beneficial land for the project. They said, As many will be aware, a considerable amount of time and work had been undertaken by Apertura in relation to delivery of our proposed 250 megawatt battery energy storage system, BESS, on land at Newark Hill. Facilities such as this play a critical role in tackling climate change, supporting the transition towards clean green renewable energy and away from polluting fossil fuels, as well as contributing to a government target of net zero. While some positive results were achieved in Apertura's assessment of the site, including meeting policies set out in the National Planning Framework agenda, there were several other critical areas that indicated this location to be less than suitable for a feasible financial model, especially from a project construction and delivery standpoint. The firm, however, has stressed that it is not walking away from its plan to build the plant in the wider area. Their spokesperson added, Given that this development was at the very early stages of assessment and development, the decision has been made by Apertura to discharge and cease development at the existing Newark Hill site. We will now be actively be looking for more beneficial land in the surrounding area to locate a renewable energy project, once again connecting to the substation near Newhouse Industrial Estate. We have taken on board all factors which arose during this process and will look to ensure that a high level of scrutiny is undertaken in terms of site selection and engagement with the community at any new future location. This will support not only the delivery of a robust renewable energy project, but contribute to the public it serves. And that article was an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, from the news section, drivers reported after car breaks down on the M8. This article is unattributed. Two drivers were reported after police chased a broken down car and a friend who came to help in Glasgow. Road policing officers shared the details on X, formerly Twitter. They said they arrived yesterday at a stretch of the M8 motorway after reports of two men pushing a car along the hard shoulder. The motorist was allegedly found to have no licence or insurance. A friend then arrived to help in an Audi which allegedly had bald tyres. The drivers were both reported and charged. On social media, the force said, Glasgow Road Policing attended the report of two males pushing a broken down car along the M8 earlier. We chased the breakdown on his friend who had arrived to help. Unfortunately for both, they now face a day in the Justice of the Peace Court. That article was unattributed and it was read to you today by me, 
Ian. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, from the news section, Fury over delay for new city flats. This article is an exclusive by Marissa McWhorter. A huge development in the south side has been delayed indefinitely, leaving buyers in the lurch. Sanctuary Housing is building more than 400 flats on the site of the old Victoria Infirmary in the south side, including social housing, bid market and shared equity properties. Yesterday, a spokesperson for Sanctuary informed buyers that the development had been delayed for the fifth time with no completion date in sight. We previously reported that owners, due to move into the properties in March 2023, were told the flats wouldn't be complete until December 2023. Now, in an email seen by the Glasgow Times, a spokesperson for Sanctuary said the house builder was unable to confirm completion dates at this point, but would provide a further update in March. Buyers have now been waiting around 71 weeks to move into properties they purchased in February 2022. We spoke to several devastated first-time buyers who purchased flats at the development through the New Supply Shared Equity Scheme, NSSE, and requested to remain anonymous. One owner, who was expecting the bad news, said, I feel frustration, anger and helplessness. There's a lot of helplessness because you're at the point where you don't really know what to do or if you can do anything. The only kind of compensation available for buyers at this stage is to reclaim their deposit, but they will still be out of pocket for legal fees, he says. The buyer added, Other than the financial costs, there are emotional costs, the endless delays, uncertainty, being unable to plan things as well. Staying in a rented flat while he waits to move into the development, it stings to pay rent monthly when he was expecting to be paying a mortgage in his own flat. Delays have forced the buyers to reapply for mortgages and two reported that their monthly payments had risen by £200 as a result. A second buyer purchased through NSSE said she was crippled with a mix of anger, anxiety and hopelessness. She said, I worry about a lot of things. I can't make any life plans. I can't book time off and my finances are on hold indefinitely. I don't understand why there is such a long delay with no explanation. Another buyer added, It's completely baffling. I don't believe a word of what Sanctuary say anymore. The delays have caused his mortgage rate to climb from 1.5% to around 5% and he has been forced to rent a property while waiting for the flat to be completed. He said, We were told last February, about three weeks before we were meant to get our keys, that there would be another delay of around a year. I had already ordered furniture and I couldn't cancel any of it. My rent is almost twice what the mortgage should be. It's designed to be shared equity and it's designed for first-time buyers, but it's costing a lot of money. I'm losing a lot of money because of this. He added, It's been a really negative experience. It's a lot of stress, a lot of strain on you. Out with that, there's a cost of living crisis added on top. It's taking a massive toll. Since October, according to emails sent by Sanctuary, there has been no progress in services or fixtures and fittings, which they claim are 99% finished. They have 3% progress on internal finishes, 98% completed, and 5% progress on external works, 85% complete. Building works have been carried out by developer Crude and Building, 
which was awarded a £43.3 million contract in 2021 to complete the second phase of the project for 209 apartments. In 2019, Cruden was awarded a £30 million contract to deliver 135 flats for mid-market rental and new supply shared equity sale as part of, part of phase one of the development. Cruden has been contacted for comment. A spokesperson for Sanctuary Scotland said, While completion of the development has taken longer than was originally planned, and we acknowledge the frustration and inconvenience this has caused, work on-site continues to progress. The new Marks & Spencer retail unit opened successfully in December, and we can confirm that the residential units in Stage 1 of the Wilder development are due to be completed in phases in the coming months. That article was an exclusive by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, from the Opinion section, Letters to the Editor City Group is a lifesaver for people. I can't tell you how delighted I was to see your article in Glasgow's Golden Generation in Thursday's paper. This wonderful organisation deserves all the praise it gets, as it's a real lifesaver for many people. As someone who has benefited from their service for several years, I can only say how impressed I've been with every single member of this charity, especially Alba and Ellen, angels in human form, and how helpful they have been with my mental health issues. It made my day to see this fabulous example of all that's best about Glasgow finally get the recognition it deserves. Stephen McCarthy, Glasgow Each month, BT helpfully sends out an email to let me know that my bill is ready to be downloaded. Of course, they won't actually email me the bill. So, for the fourth day in a row, I have logged into my BT account to attempt to download my bill and got a message to come back later as they are working on the problem. Here is a suggestion for BT and other large companies. Don't take any money on direct debit unless you have given your victim access to their bill. Better still, email the bill to them rather than forcing them to waste their time singing into their account or app. Otto Inglis, Vet Email What a letdown the football transfer window has been this year. There must be a lot of football agents who are disappointed that more deals did not go through. I feel for the smaller clubs in Scotland who just can't compete with the big guns. The wages for some players are simply obscene. Name and address supplied. And that was today's letters to the editor, Saturday the 3rd of February. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February. From the news section, Man to face trial accused of claiming to be in the IRA. This article is unattributed. A man will stand trial later this year accused of claiming he was a member of the IRA. Joshua Cook, 38, allegedly made a remark during an organised protest at Glasgow's George Square on February 5th, 2023. Pro and anti-transgender protesters and counter-protesters gathered in George Square that day. Court papers state Cook behaved in a threatening or abusive manner and attended a protest. It is there he is accused of repeatedly shouting that you are a member of a prescribed terrorist organisation, namely the Irish Republican Army. Cook was due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Friday, but the matter was administratively adjourned for trial. The hearing will take place in May. Cook, 
formerly of Glasgow Streetson and now of Coventry, remains on bail meantime. And that article was unattributed. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February. From the news section, Owners hit out at repair works on historic building. This article is unattributed. Owners of an historic building that was once tossed in Glasgow have hit out that the roof repairs were carried out without official permission. Roof repairs at the Art Deco property Beard Hall in Socky Hall Street had been approved, but the work was done with a different material than that granted in planning permission. Wiseman Associates are now trying to get approval for the work after it has been done, but 10 objections have been lodged. Pointing out it is one of the few Art Deco properties in the city, Dr. Meeson Javaland said, As one of the owners of 460 Socky Hall Street, I express my strong disagreement with this application, submitted after the delivery of the job. Dr. Jalalvand claimed the use of felt, roof and felt on the roof did not adhere to technical standards. Official permission had been granted with a condition to use single ply roof membrane, but roofing felt was used instead. The agent checked with the council beforehand and was told that this was a suitable alternative, but no formal consent was given. Despite that, works went ahead. Resident Robbie Horn said, Work was carried out using incorrect and not the agreed materials. A council report said, This new listed building application now seeks to consent to reflect the different roofing material used on this building. An associated application for planning permission under Section 42 of the Town and Country Planning Act, Scotland 1997, is also under consideration to modify this condition. B-listed Beard Hall was built in 1938 and was described as a skyscraper as was the tallest building erected in the city between the two world wars. It's eight storeys high. It is also known as the Beresford Building. The Council's Planning Applications Committee will consider the matter next week to decide on the roof repair work. And that article was unattributed. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, from the news section, Perv took secret videos of women. Article by Connor Gordon. A pervert recorded intimate videos of women with a hidden camera and uploaded them to a porn site. Donald McFarlane, 30, put a total of 42 videos onto motherless.com between July and September 2022. The first offender followed a lone young female in a subway with a camera secreted in a bag and upskirted her. He also focused on the breasts and buttocks areas of other women as he walked around Glasgow city centre. A police raid on his home also recovered three images of extreme porn on his computer. McFarlane pleaded guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Friday to behaving in a threatening or abusive manner. He also admitted upskirting a woman and possession of extreme pornography. The court heard McFarlane of Mulgai, Eastern Bartonshire, used the account name Pigeon Power on the website. Prosecutor Emma Baker said, He followed a number of women in Glasgow and recorded them without their knowledge or consent. McFarlane zoomed in on their body, including their buttocks, crotch, breasts and faces. He edited the videos to have abusive and degrading captions. The fiscal deputy stated that in August 2022, McFarlane travelled from the city's Buchanan subway station 
to the West End's Kelvin Bridge Station. Miss Barker said, He had a camera concealed in a bag and he loitered at the entrance before seeing an unknown female believed to be around 18 years old who wore fishnet tights and a black skirt. He followed her to the platform and pointed the camera towards her. He recorded her as she got off at Partick to, to, to a Morrison supermarket. But following on the subway, again to the St Enoch station and recorded other women with the camera. McFarlane uploaded a lone female video, lasting just over five minutes, with the caption, Subway Candid, W, asterisk, 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 E, C, asterisk, 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 with humiliating captions. Miss Baker said, during the footage, he placed the camera under the women's skirt as they were going up the escalator, capturing their buttocks. Other captions on the video included, Pathetic C, Asterix, asterix, asterix. Needs strangled with its own fishnets. Miss Baker told the court that a total of 42 videos were uploaded, uploaded on McFarland's profile on the website. Another video showed two women in crop tops and leggings who were followed on Buchanan Street with the camera zoomed in on their buttocks. A further 12 minute video tailed a woman from a Sainsbury's in Buchanan Street which focused on her buttocks. He then recorded two other girls' breasts and crotches. Many of the women's faces were on the videos but were not identified by police. McFarlane was chased through his IP address and he was identified by CCTV footage around the city. Police raided McFarlane's home and the bag with the concealed camera was, was seized. Three images of extreme porn were found on electronic devices in the property. Miss Baker said... These were images containing serious violence likely to threaten a person's life with a sexual element. There were safe folders on his computer with titles Dumb Facebook W Asterix 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 E Candid and Skanks. He said These are extremely serious matters. You have been on bail for a considerable period of time and you have no previous convictions. I will not interfere with that, but all options remain open for sentencing. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, news. Scottish Water to hike its charges from April. Article by Stuart Patterson. Water bills will rise by 8.8% for homes in Glasgow from April. The Scottish Water charge is added to council tax bills, so, despite a freeze in the local authority charge, people's overall bills will be higher than last year. Scottish Water said the rise is necessary to carry out investment in, its, in the network. While some politicians have criticised the hike, the boss of the firm said it has a rise of 70 pence per week. It means a bill for someone in a Bansee home will see the combined water and waste charge increase to £485.68. Jackie Bailey, Scottish Labour Deputy Leader, said the Scottish Government, which is implementing the council tax freeze, should stop the water charge increase. She said, This eye-watering increase will pile pressure on struggling families and it beggars belief that the SNP ministers nodded it through. The SNP should stand up for Scots and stop this massive increase from going ahead. Scottish Water said in the last two years the rise was not enough to cover the investment required. Alex Plant Chief Executive of Scottish Water said, 
our core services play a vital role in the daily lives of millions of people in Scotland. As a publicly owned body, we have a clear responsibility to ensure what people pay is affordable and set at a fair level for both current and future generations. The Board's decision and charges for 24-25 recognises the need for significant investment to protect services, now and for the future, as climate change means that more volatile weather conditions are becoming the norm rather than the exception. While increases in bills are never welcome, and we acknowledge that the cost of living pressures remain, this 70p a week on average increase will set us in a pathway to recover ground loss over the past two years when charges were set at a level lower than allowed for under the regularity system. When asked about Scottish water bills, hours before the 8.8% rise was announced, Humsey Yousaf said in Parliament, The average charge in England and Wales is 10% higher than in Scotland. At £448 compared with a charge in Scotland of £408. With Scottish water, we end up getting better levels of service in comparison to England and Wales. We get lower water charges in Scotland than in England. We get a publicly owned water company in which every penny of profit is reinvested in the public service, unlike in England where the members' parties in charge and shareholders get millions in dividends. We get water quality 87% good at a high level, as assessed by the Scottish Environment Protection Agency. Graham Simpson, Conservative MSP, who asked the question, said later, Hamza Yousaf must have known these punishing water bill hikes were going to be announced when he was asked about it in Parliament. Instead of coming clean, he waffled on about changes at charges in England. Just hours later, the news of the inflation-busting 8.8% rise was sneaked out in a Scottish water press release. Hamza Yousaf should have had the guts to tell the Parliament, but clearly didn't want to face the music of this increase, which punishes hard-working Scots. And that article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 3rd of February, from the news section, Teen jailed after being caught with £115,000 cannabis farm. Report by Connor Gordon. A teenager caught with a £115,000 cannabis farm in two flats was jailed on Friday for 16 months. Dionys Gishtaya, then 19, was snared at the flat above Glasgow's woodlands on May 17, 2023. The city's sheriff court heard a warrant was granted earlier that day and police forced entry. Prosecutor Mark Allen said, It became evident that there was a cannabis cultivation within. There was ducting in the ceilings and tarpaulin on the walls. There was a hole in the hall cupboard ceiling which led to the flat above it. This was accessed and also found to contain growing and drying areas for cannabis. Gishtia was also found in the above flat following the search. Mr Allen said, Bedrooms were observed to be adapted for growing cannabis plants or containing massive amounts of debris and rubbish connected with cultivating cannabis. Other drug production paraphernalia was also discovered. Gishtia cautioned and he told officers that he was an Albanian national. Mr Allen said, A count of the plants in the two flats showed there were 192 in total. They were valued at £600 each making the total value in the region of £115,200. Gustia pleaded guilty in December last year to producing a controlled drug. 
and that article was by Connor Gordon. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Alcohol levy could raise £57 million for support services. An article written by Rosie Lewis. A levy on retail outlets selling alcohol could raise £57 million to be spent on local treatment, recovery support and prevention, a think tank has claimed. Research from the Fraser of Allender Institute at the University of Strathclyde has shown money raised on off-sales alcohol could provide much-needed funding for supporting people with alcohol problems. The research, commissioned by Alcohol Focus Scotland, suggests revenue from alcohol has increased by more than £30 million per year across 2018 and 2019. Alcohol off-sales did, however, decrease by 3.6% in the first year of minimum unit pricing, which was implemented in May 2018, according to figures from Public Health Scotland. According to the Social Market Foundation, alcohol costs Scotland up to £10 billion every year, including £700 million in health and social care costs. As a result, the research suggests shops and supermarkets are likely making greater profits on alcohol. Alcohol Focus Scotland says this demonstrates the potential for retailers that profit from the sale of alcohol to contribute more towards the financial burden it places on society. Alison Douglas, Chief Executive of Alcohol Focus Scotland, said... Alcohol Focus Scotland has been campaigning for some time for the additional money from minimum unit pricing, which currently goes straight into the pockets of shops and supermarkets, to go back into the public purse. The Scottish Government has recognised the increasing number of deaths from alcohol, up by 25% in the past three years, as a public health emergency, but to tackle this issue needs appropriate funding. By redirecting some of this additional money, we can relieve the pressures that our health and social care services are experiencing and address the 40% decline in people accessing specialist alcohol treatment over the past decade. The call for a retailer levy is also backed by NCD Alliance Scotland, which recognises the benefits of minimum pricing for the health of the nation, but sees the need to address the unfairness of where the money currently goes. Yao Souza, Deputy Director of the Fraser of Allender Institute, said We were asked by Alcohol Focus Scotland to look at what revenue might be raised by a levy on sellers of alcohol exclusively for consumption off their premises, based on the non-domestic rates valuation rule. When the similar public health supplement was last in place in 2015, it was set at 13 pence. Setting the same rate today would bring in around £57 million a year. Different rates would naturally lead to different levels of revenue. For example, we estimate a 10 pence rate would bring in around £44 million and a 16 pence levy would bring in around £70 million. Based on a levy on non-domestic rates, the policy would principally affect big national supermarket chains, who the research found would make up 86% of all revenues. The research considered different levels of levy, finding an increase in revenue of £4.4 million for every one pence change in a levied rate. Political support for a levy on alcohol retailers has been growing. 
The Scottish Government committed in its recent budget to explore reintroducing the public health supplement, which raised £95 million from a levy placed on non-domestic rates of large retailers selling alcohol and tobacco between the years of 2012 and 2015. Scottish Labour is also calling for a public health levy to offset problems caused by alcohol in Scotland. A Scottish Government spokesperson said... The Scottish Government is determined to do all we can to reduce alcohol-related harm and is working closely with alcohol and drug partnerships and the third sector to do so. In 2022-2023, £106 million was made available to these partnerships, increasing to £112 million in 2023-2024. This funding is used to ensure that local services meet the needs of people who experience alcohol and drugs harms. The announcement in the Scottish Budget this year signalled the Scottish Government's intent to explore the reintroduction of a public health supplement in advance of the next Scottish Budget. All relevant stakeholders will be consulted as part of that exploratory work. An article written by Rosie Lewis. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Police officers on bikes have been cracking down on youth disorder. An article written by Ben Waddell. Police officers on bikes have been cracking down on youth disorder and antisocial behaviour in East Renfrewshire. Over the weekend, officers from the Greater Glasgow Division took to the streets of the area to respond to community concerns. During their patrols, they responded to several issues including youth disorder, traffic offences and antisocial behaviour. A spokesperson for Police Scotland said, This weekend, off-road bike officers from the Greater Glasgow Division were deployed across East Renfrewshire. The team patrolled a number of areas in response to community concerns, as well as responding to a variety of issues including youth disorder, traffic offences and antisocial behaviour. An article written by Ben Waddell. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Disabled Scots invited to help shape the future of the Independent Living Fund. An article written by Sandia Suresh. Disabled individuals and organisations in and around Glasgow are being asked for their opinions towards shaping the Independent Living Fund Scotland. This comes with the announcement of an in-person workshop at the Glasgow Science Centre on February 19th, which is accessible to everyone with interest in the reopening of the fund. Peter Scott, OBE, Chief Executive Officer at ILF Scotland said, It's important for us to ensure the success of the reopened Independent Living Fund, and these events are a key part of the process to allow people to have their say. The Glasgow event is our final in-person event, so I would urge anyone who is interested in the reopening of the fund to attend so that we can take account of all views, ideas and feedback. Additional support is available to ensure the event is fully accessible for everyone attending, so please get in touch with us when signing up if this is something you require, and we will happily assist. ILF Scotland was established in 2015 following the UK ILF closure to extend funding and support to disabled citizens in Scotland and Northern Ireland to lead independent lives. The Independent Living Fund has not been open to new applications since 2010, but the First Minister shared in his programme for government the phased restart of the ILF from 2024-2025. 
as part of the recommendations for reopening to the Minister for Social Care, Mental Wellbeing and Sport. The Scottish Government and ILF Scotland have created a co-production working group. This body comprises representatives from disabled people's organisations, disabled individuals and other important stakeholders. The group will consider feedback from such events as a significant element of their decision-making procedure. Those interested in the event, which runs from 11am to 3pm on February the 19th at the Glasgow Science Centre, can sign up at the following web address. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com t-i-n-y-u-r-l dot com forward slash 48wmpwrz http tinyurl.com forward slash 48wmpwrz An article written by Sandhya Suresh Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February Glasgow private hire driver loses his licence after a horror attack An article written by Sarah Hilly A Glasgow private hire car driver who indecently assaulted a woman and threatened to abduct her while working has lost his licence Mazin Mohammed seized the passenger by the breast during the terrifying ordeal in a city street in April 2022 Calling for Mr Mohammed to have his licence suspended, Police Scotland said he was not a fit and proper person to hold one. Police Inspector Gareth Griffiths said there are serious concerns over public safety and asked Glasgow City's licensing board to immediately suspend Mr Mohammed's licence. Board Chair Councillor Alex Wilson, SNP, said, This is appalling. We don't expect this type of behaviour from private hire drivers. Mr Mohammed was found guilty of assaulting the woman in court last year and ordered to carry out 240 hours of unpaid work. He was also sentenced to a restriction of liberty order, keeping him at home between 7pm and 7am. The board suspended his licence immediately this morning during its meeting in the city. Mr Mohammed did not attend the licensing board meeting. An article written by Sarah Hilly. Glasgow Times on Monday the 5th of February Lifestyle Calls for Billy Connolly exhibition to be held at Kelvin Grove An article written by Drew Sanderlands A Billy Connolly exhibition should be held at Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum to recognise his contribution to Glasgow. Councillor George Redmond, the city's Labour group leader, wants Glasgow Life, which runs the city's museums on behalf of the council, to consider a display on the Big Yin. The Glasgow Labour leader, who raised his proposal at a meeting of the city's administration committee last week, said there are few people who have promoted the city as well as he has. He suggested that future exhibitions could focus on other famous Glaswegians, such as Alex Ferguson or Kenny Dalgleish. A spokeswoman for Glasgow Life said the arms-length organisation has previously worked on projects with Billy Connolly, but it's always keen to hear what people would like to see more of. She added that the city's collection includes popular and much-loved Billy Connolly-related objects, such as his iconic banana boots and John Byrne's popular portrait at the People's Palace.
At the council meeting, Councillor Redmond said he would really like to see an exhibition about Billy Connolly at some point, and it should be in the Kelvin Grove, given his Partick roots. Following the meeting, the Labour group leader said, Billy Connolly is not just a Glasgow icon, he's a Scottish icon. He's been a fantastic ambassador for Glasgow, for Scotland, in everything that he does. One of the things that is so important to him is his upbringing in Glasgow. I think having an exhibition about Billy Connolly would be absolutely fantastic for Glasgow and probably for the whole of Scotland. He's given us so much, I don't think it's a lot to ask to give him something back in return. The Glasgow Life spokeswoman said, Billy Connolly needs no introduction to the people of Glasgow. His boundless talent as a comedian, actor and presenter makes him one of Scotland's most famous sons. She said that in 2015, Glasgow Life worked with him to display his own extraordinary works at the People's Palace and in 2017 worked with the BBC to show artists John Byrne, Jack Vetriano and Rachel McLean's portraits of the comedian, which were turned into large artworks around the city. Glasgow Life Museums welcome more than three million visitors each year. Many of these come to enjoy the engaging and intriguing exhibitions on offer. We're always keen to hear what people would like to see more of and to develop new and innovative ways of making this accessible. All suggestions are considered at regular content development meetings, which plan several years in advance. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 5th of February. Lifestyle. Young jazz talent to be celebrated at an old fruit market concert. An article written by Nathan Russell. Younger members of the jazz scene are set to show off their talents in a celebration at the old fruit market next month. Recent graduates from the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland on Renfrew Street are set to be part of an event to showcase Scotland's burgeoning young jazz scene. The concert, which is scheduled for Saturday, March the 2nd, will be named New Age Sounds and recognise the achievements of eight young, award-winning musicians who are making a splash, both nationally and globally. Accomplished Scottish jazz saxophonist Tommy Smith is the mind behind the event. Professor Smith is also the head of jazz at the Royal Conservatoire and serves as the artistic director of the Scottish National Jazz Orchestra. The concert will feature compositions by Mercury Prize-nominated pianist Fergus McCready, which will be performed by Peter Johnston, the jazz orchestra's regular pianist. The concert will also feature appearances from Kitty, the 2020 Scottish Music Awards Breakthrough Artist of the Year and 2021 Rising Star from the Scottish Jazz Awards, trombonist Nushi. Professor Smith has watched many of his conservatoire students rise to successful careers in the jazz scene and has planned the event to showcase the storied tradition of orchestral jazz to a young audience. He said six of the eight featured musician composers, Fergus McCready, Peter Johnston, Nushi, saxophonist Matt Carmichael, bassist Ewan Hastie and trombonist Liam Shortall were students of mine for four years at the conservatoire. I'm very proud of their achievements and wanted to showcase them with the orchestra. It's also great to have Kitty and the saxophonist Helena Kay on board, as they're very much part of Scotland's thriving young jazz scene. Each musical performance will be accompanied by a video orchestrated by another conservatoire student, Dylan Barry, and projected onto the stage backcloth.
Professor Smith added, I'm confident that New Age sounds will be a standout experience for the jazz orchestra's ever-growing audience. It's also vital for the orchestra to embrace the younger audience and widen our musical horizons. We're really looking forward to the concert as the music is sounding great. An article written by Nathan Russell. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Scotland's first women-only council workspace launched. An article written by Kirsty Fierick. A new hub supporting women in business has been launched in Airdrie. North Lanarkshire Council is the first local authority in the country to offer a dedicated workspace for female-led start-up businesses. The Hive will encourage female entrepreneurs to create and grow their own businesses in the area. It will offer desks, offices, meeting rooms and treatment rooms, as well as on-site business advice, events and networking opportunities. This project is supported by funding from the UK Shared Prosperity Fund and the Scottish Government Pathways Pre-Start Fund. Caroline Brown works for the North Lanarkshire Council Enterprise Team and was involved in developing the Hive. She spoke to the Glasgow Times about the new centre and said, We have a mix of facilities like hot desks, offices, meeting rooms, beauty rooms and treatment areas. Women can come in and use this space for free until August and then it will be a low-cost, subsidised payment model. There are also plans to provide business support for women on a one-to-one level. We've been delighted with the incredible response to launching this space. We were blown away with the amount of people who have got in touch. So far there are around 200 women interested in using it. Any woman-run business is welcome as long as you are over 18 and don't have another business premises set up. We can help startups so they can get clients established and build up their brand. An article written by Kirsty Fierick. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Drop in household waste sent to landfill in Glasgow. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow Council bosses are hopeful that the amount of household waste sent to landfill will continue to decline after the latest figures showed a significant drop over the last decade. In 2014, 164,811 tonnes of household waste were sent to landfill. The number dropped to 150,943 tonnes by 2017, but rose to 167,502 tonnes in 2018 before heading on a downward trend to 35,889 tonnes in December 2023. The latest figures are still to be verified by SEPA. The numbers were presented to members of the Environment and Livable Neighbourhoods Committee this week, where the work of Glasgow Recycling and Renewable Energy Centre was highlighted as providing a valuable role in extracting recyclable material and recovering energy from waste that would normally have been landfilled. In 2023, the Council sent around 15,000 tonnes direct to landfill from its transfer stations and from August to December 2023, only 17 tonnes were sent directly to landfill. The remaining fraction was sent to landfill by the Council's contracted partners. During Tuesday's meeting, a Council officer explained, We are changing the way we manage waste across the city and it's having a positive impact on how we're managing it. 
You can see from the table that the reduction of household waste that is sent to landfill continues to decrease. From August to September last year, we only sent 17 tonnes directly to landfill sites, so the reason there is still quite a lot of tonnage in 2023 is because of reprocessing contractors sending material to landfill. Councillor Alex Kerr congratulated officers for their work in reducing the amount of landfill being acquired and asked if the amount of waste being sent to landfill was likely to continue to drop. He said, from 2017, the household waste sent to landfill is down by 76%, so obviously that's quite a drop. But are you confident that you can keep pushing that down? What are some of the problems with the contingency measures and whether that is contaminated household waste? An officer said the Recycling and Renewable Energy Centre has been in place for several years now and it's changing the way we manage general waste within the city. I think we'll continue to see the tonnage of landfill going down. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Union members are getting ready for possible strike action. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow's GMB members are getting ready for the possibility of strike action after a meeting with the Confederation of Scottish Local Authorities, or COSLA, over new pay demands for low-paid workers. The three Scottish Joint Council trade unions met with the National Association to discuss this year's pay claim and for an agreement to be reached as quickly as possible, ideally before the 1st of April. The GMB previously confirmed it would be looking for an extra £1.50 an hour for each of its members. Glasgow convener Chris Mitchell has been visiting the city's cleansing depot this week and says his members are not afraid to take industrial action if the claim is not resolved in the next couple of months. He said, The trade unions met with COSLA yesterday and told them exactly what we were looking for which from the GMB point of view is an extra £1.50 an hour for low-paid workers. We want these pay claims to be implicated by April the 1st, but COSLA will need to go and speak to council leaders. We made it clear that we are quite willing to campaign for more money and go to the Scottish Government and ask them to give each council more money. COSLA says that they will get back to us by the end of February with a potential offer, but we have been going around the cleansing depot to see which of our members would be willing to take industrial action. Nothing has been decided yet which section is going to pay dispute, but we are all getting ready. Keir Greenaway, GMB Scotland Senior Organiser in Public Services, said that last year's pay negotiations were needlessly protracted and called for far greater urgency. The union's pay claim calls for councils to pay interest on backdated settlements to encourage swifter negotiations and decision-making. After the meeting, Mr Greenaway said, We detailed our pay claim and made it clear to COSLA exactly what our members' priorities are, which include reaching agreement on a fair pay deal as quickly as possible. COSLA now knows exactly what our members expect and we would hope for that to be taken on board and allow for the start of meaningful negotiations as quickly as possible. The councils are under no illusion that they will need to find the money for an acceptable pay rise or join with us to seek that extra funding required from the Scottish Government. Inaction is not an option. Months of needless delay will not be acceptable. A COSLA spokesperson said... 
Cosler has now received pay claims from all three Scottish Joint Council's trade unions. A constructive steering group meeting was held to understand further the key pay elements of each claim. Cosler leaders will consider the claims at their meeting on February the 23rd. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. An iconic clock in Mulgai Town Centre relocated for repair. An article written by Sandia Suresh. The Copeland and Lye clock, an iconic feature in Mulgai Town Centre, has been temporarily removed for essential repairs. The clock was installed in the precinct in 1981 to commemorate the completion of the pedestrianisation scheme. A recent inspection revealed water ingress issues and steel corrosion. Councillor Gordon Lowe, leader of Eastern Bartonshire Council, said the clock has been an iconic fixture in Mulgai Town Centre for more than 40 years and is a popular meeting place. These essential repairs will mean it can return and remain in place for many years to come. I'm pleased we've been able to allocate external funding, helping to fulfil our ongoing commitment to improving local town centres without putting additional pressure on council finances. The clock has now been safely transported to a specialist restoration workshop dedicated to restoring iconic clocks in the UK. The refurbishment, funded by the UK Government Shared Prosperity Fund, is expected to take around 12 weeks. Post-restoration, the timekeeper will be reinstalled in its former location within Mulgai Precinct. Originating from the French-inspired Caledonian House on Sockyhall Street, the clock was an integral part of Copeland and Lye's Drapery Warehouse. Established in 1873, the business gained popularity for its supply of Paris fashions. After the closure and demolition of the store in the 1970s, the clock was rescued and gifted to Mulgai Borough Council. Marking the pedestrianisation of Mulgai Precinct, the three-faced timekeeper became an important local landmark and a meeting place since 1981. An article written by Sandia Suresh. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 5th of February. Work to improve safety of cyclists continues in Glasgow. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Work to improve the safety of cyclists across Glasgow is continuing a year after the tragic death of French cyclist Emma Burke Newman. Last January, student Emma from Molyneux in Paris was injured following an incident at the junction with the King George V Bridge and passed away shortly after being taken to Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. In the 12 months that followed, two more cyclists have died on city roads. In February, Nigerian student Chininye Vera Okonkwo, who was 33, died following a crash involving two cars in the city centre on St Vincent Street. A 64-year-old cyclist also passed away after being hit by a car on Fielden Street in Glasgow. John Morton was hit by an Audi A3 on May the 29th and died on June the 1st after being taken to hospital. Since June last year, Glasgow City Council has been focusing on improving the safety of all road users, particularly cyclists, through its active travel strategy. 
It accepted funding from Transport Scotland's Active Travel Fund to deliver a variety of projects, including the Connecting Battlefield programme, which looks to improve public spaces, support fully segregated cycle paths and create new connections to existing active travel routes. An update was discussed at the most recent Environment and Sustainable Committee this week. Bailey Paul McCabe said, I'm personally delighted with the battlefield development. As a cyclist myself, living in Battlefield, I'm excited to see that continuing and the importance of extending the cycle routes and increasing the connectivity will increase the numbers using it. It's been a year since Emma Burke Newman passed away down at the Clyde side and I think it's pertinent to note if you build it, they will come and you will make this safer for people by getting more people onto their bikes and increasing active travel. Councillor Angus Miller added... We have spoken before about creating a comprehensive city network. I think we can see there is a great deal of construction taking place this year, but also future design phases that will also progress to construction in coming years. I wanted to touch on the comments made by Bailey McCabe surrounding the tragic passing of Emma Burke Newman around a year ago. Our officers have outlined the main focus on one of the projects around the Clydeside area, including the junction at King George V Bridge. The local authority has been engaging with New Practice, a woman and LGBTG plus-led architecture practice based between Glasgow and London. A council officer said, Like the councillors, Officers were deeply saddened by the passing of Emma Burke Newman and we feel incumbent to address that in our infrastructure delivery. Notwithstanding the awful events of last year, we've watched with interest the work that our colleagues at New Practice have been leading on and also we've watched the legal case that has been going on there. We've reached out to New Practice to initiate a conversation to learn from their findings to see how that can feed into our design and we aim to progress in the spirit of co-design in a solution that works for all. An article written by Catherine Hunter. From the Classical Times, Tuesday the 6th of February, from the Opinion section, Annie Wales, Tipping point had been reached in Glasgow. Tory view. My brother Jerry recently returned for a visit to Glasgow from his home in Essex. One of the first things he said was how horrified he was at the state of the city of his birth. The litter piling up the streets, the scale of the graffiti, roads of boarded up shops, ugly potholes almost every street he travelled along. He couldn't believe his eyes. Of course, none of this will be news to Glaswegians. And it wasn't news to me either. As an elected representative of the city, it is by a comfortable margin the most common gripe of constituents. But coming from someone revisiting his home city from his new base on the other side of the country, it held a new potency. As an MSP, my brother wondered, what was I going to do about it? It was a good point. Many of us are forever complaining about the state of Glasgow's ability to fall into but not everyone is in a position to take decisive action. That's why, in the next few weeks, I'll be launching my new broom campaign. The idea is people across the city identify things they want fixed, whether it's potholes, bins that haven't been collected, an area of land that's fallen dangerously into disgrace, and photograph the evidence. They'll send these images to a dedicated email address that I will set up. 
at the end of each week, they will be collated and sent to the city council with a simple demand. Sort this or we will stay in your case. We will repeatedly flag issues that aren't remedied and those who report the problems can keep regular tabs by supplying updates. Then, when the problems are addressed, the council will receive due credit for doing so. We hear too often that local authorities don't always have the budgets to fix potholes or always ensure bins are properly collected on time. But Glaswegians don't have the budget to spend hundreds of pounds replacing tyres or pay private operators to dispose of their waste. We know people in the city are dissatisfied with the waste collection service. Around 93 people complain to the council every single day in Glasgow about missed collections. That works out as almost 170,000 complaints over the last five years. That's the statistical evidence, but residents trust their eyes and ears as well. They can see all too clearly the sheer demise of that city which used to be handsome and proud. They see the rat infestations, the appalling fly-tipping and the litter that's strewn about world-famous streets. They want bustling and successful shops and cafes, not boarded up shelves just asking to be vandalised or set ablaze. Almost every day in this very newspaper there is a story featuring the decline, dilapidation or neglect of our cityscape. Glasgow needs a new broom in more ways than one. This campaign will be launched in coming weeks and is open to all, regardless of background or political preference. It will provide the chance for us all to work together to bring this issue to the, right to the top of the agenda and restore some pride in our communities. The tipping point has now been reached. I want the fight back to start now. And that was the Tory view by Annie Wells. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 6th of February, from the news section, Life Experience Helped Social Worker Earn Top Award. This article is unattributed. A social worker who left school with no qualifications has been awarded the prestigious title of Scotland's Social Worker of the Year 2023. Jean Ritchie, East Renfrewshire HSCP Adult Support and Protection Social Worker, has been recognised for her contributions to adult protection and advocacy for carers. Ms Ritchie, 60, said she is committed to ensuring their voices are heard within the organisation's strategy and operations. She left school at 16 and pursued different career paths, as well as becoming a mum to her three children. Her turning point came in 1997, when her mother passed away, which triggered a new direction for her life. Ms Ritchie enrolled in a healthcare course at Reed Care College, now West College Scotland, in 1998 and completed an HND course in social sciences. She said, Leaving school with no formal qualifications, I found support, guidance and encouragement from my lecturers. Night classes in higher English and math provided essential support, instilling a lifelong love for learning. Do not let fears curb your ambition. If I can do it, you can, you can too. Attending college can be life-changing and so rewarding. She then completed a BA ONS in social work from the University of West of Scotland. Now, two decades into her career, Ms Ritchie emphasises the value of life experience in her work. The Curriculum Quality Leader for Social Science at West College Scotland said, Jean's story is a testament to the transformative impact of education, resilience in the face of challenges and the invaluable contributions of social workers to our communities. 
Her achievements stand as an inspiration to current and future students, highlighting the potential for personal and professional growth through education. And that article was unattributed. From the Glasgow Times Tuesday the 6th of February, from the news section Man hailed after police stopped Porsche This article is unattributed. A Porsche driver has been arrested after cops allegedly found a weapon in the luxury motor. Officers stopped the car on Sunday morning on Hope Street in the city centre after spotting it with an obscured window. Following that, the driver, a 25-year-old man, was reportedly found to be drunk, had no driving licence, no insurance, failed a roadside test and then refused a station sample. On top of that, police say they discovered a weapon in the car as well. The man was arrested and will appear in court at a later date. His vehicle was also seized. A spokesperson for Police Scotland said, On Sunday morning, officers from the Greater Glasgow Division spotted this Porsche driving in the city centre with an obscured windscreen. After stopping the driver, he was found to have no licence, no insurance and was intoxicated. Male, age 25, arrested, will appear at court in future, vehicle seized. And the article was unattributed. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 6th of February, Lifestyle, on this day, on this day 1685, Mary Monarch, Charles II, died. Some say his last words to his brother James were Don't let poor Nelly starve A reference to his favourite mistress, Nell Gwynn 1783 English landscape gardener Lancelot Capability Brown died Kew Gardens and the grounds at Blenheim Palace are examples of his work 1788 Massachusetts became the sixth state of the United States 1838 Sir Henry Irving, English actor, was born in Somerset. He was the first actor to be knighted. 1927 A boy violinist in short trousers, age 10, caused a sensation in Paris when he performed Symphony Espagnole. The child prodigy was Yehudi Menuhin. 1952 King George VI died during the night at Sandringham, age 56. His daughter, on safari in Africa at the time, succeeded as Elizabeth II. 1958 Seven Manchester United footballers, the Busby Babes, were killed when their plane crashed in thick snow at Munich Airport. An eighth, Duncan Edwards, died 15 days later in hospital. 1983 Nazi fugitive Klaus Barbie was charged in Lyon, France with crimes against humanity. 1997, a widow was allowed to be inseminated with her dead husband's sperm by the Court of Appeal in in a historic judgment. 2001, Ariel Sharon, above, leader of the right-wing Likud party, became the new Prime Minister of Israel. On this day last year, a catastrophic earthquake in Turkey and Syria caused wide-scale death and destruction. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 6th of February, 
news. Police officer hurt as angry mob protest. This article is an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. A police officer was taken to hospital after being injured dispersing an angry mob that gathered outside a house in Milton. More than 150 people congregated amid rumours that a man facing an investigation over alleged inappropriate communication with two teenagers was inside. An eyewitness said, The house was being pelted with stuff. It didn't look like there was anyone inside at the time, or, if they were, they weren't for coming out. Eventually, the police arrived and tried to get people to leave the scene. People here are frustrated. They feel like they need to police the area themselves, but the scenes here got pretty intense. Around six officers blocked the entrance to the address as the mob grew increasingly boisterous. The Glasgow Times understands that one officer suffered minor injuries and was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary for treatment. The incident took place on Thursday with clips of the disturbance later posted on social media. The property is now lying vacant, with doorway and windows boarded up. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Officers were made aware of a crowd gathered outside a property in the Milton area of Glasgow around 6.15pm on February the 1st. Officers attended and no arrests were made. That article was an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 6th of February, news. School gets top marks. Report by Anne Fotheringham. Teachers who are making a difference for all children at a Kirkintilla school have been praised by, praised by inspectors. The Education Scotland team said the staff at Oxcan Primary used highly effective approaches to develop children's and parents' knowledge and understanding of their well-being. They added, All staff have a detailed understanding of children's individual circumstances and well-being needs. They use pupil equity funding effectively and partnership working creatively to achieve positive learning outcomes for children. The report also commended the strong leadership of the head teacher who is well respected by staff, children, parents and partners and added, She is leading and managing the direction and pace of change very well, supported ably by senior leaders. Inspectors praised the positive relationships across the whole school community, which are based on the school values, and said, Children across the school are happy and respectful. They learn and achieve in a safe, inclusive and nurturing environment. Two areas for improvement were identified and discussed with the head teacher and a representative from City Eastern Bartonshire Council. The school was advised to continue to develop and embed consistent approaches to learning, teaching and assessment across the school and to continue to develop approaches to planning and checking for the effectiveness of of support for children. This will help staff to raise attainment further in literacy and numeracy. Acting Head Teacher Sarah Mochun said, The whole team is delighted to have received such a positive inspection report which details the hard work and commitment of staff, families and pupils to ensure Oxcan Primary is, nurturing envi- is a nurturing environment which tailors learning opportunities to meet the needs of every child within our school. We will continue to build on our strengths. Eastern Partnership Council's Convener of Education, Councillor Linda Williamson, said, This is a wonderful inspection report that celebrates the hard work and achievements of the entire school community. From the school leadership to the families and the pupils themselves, 
everyone plays their part in making Oxland Primary a school to be proud of. The report highlights the positive relationships, the equity of learning opportunities, the successful planning and evaluation, the nurturing environment and the many other approaches taken to encourage well-being and attainment. I'd like to congratulate the head teacher and everyone at Oxland Primary School on a very, very good report. The full report is available on the Education Scotland website. And that article was written by Anne Fotheringham. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service.